good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Uncommon. Thank you. I saw a uh, video the other day. It's on TikTok. My son turned me on to TikTok. That's some good stuff on there, actually. And the video showed a young girl who was maybe six or seven years old. At the, at the oldest. She was in Ukraine in a bomb shelter. And the people there were obviously terrified of what was going on around them. There's a lot of devastation that was taking place. And I'm sure there was a sense of fear that permeated the air. And amongst all of that, that little girl broke out into a song, just stood up on a bench. And she sang this song, and the song is called Let It Go. And the song is from the Disney film Frozen. Well, she was singing in Ukrainian, and I didn't quite understand the words, but I got the essence of it. But in that moment, the energy I could sense changed. Something touched the souls of all the people within that room, in that bomb shelter. And there was probably a sense of hope that was different. And I would say in that moment, that little girl was living a life uncommon. I think we're all supposed to live a life that's uncommon, that's unique for us. And if we fill our lives with that love and bravery as was being sung in that song, we shall lead that uncommon life. You know, there was a young woman who was um, a mother. She ran her own business. She also happened to be a military wife so that, you know, she was taking care of the children pretty much on her, her own. She was alone many of the days. She did her best to do what she needed to do to contribute to the community that she was part of. But she said that as she was going through that, she felt her life was on autopilot, that it was anything but uncommon. It was really a common, common life. But what she pointed out that she wasn't paying attention to her happiness. And she found herself with a devastating autoimmune disorder. 
and it threatened her life. And she was very worried that she was going to leave her two toddlers and an unborn child motherless without a mother. And she looked back and she said she think part of her condition had something to do with her chronic unhappiness. So she set out on a quest to reclaim that happiness, to save her life. But she also wanted to help the rest of the world uncover their sense of unhappiness as well. So she ended up becoming a wellness psychologist. And her life was turned around as a result of that. I think it was the Dalai Lama who said something to the effect, I believe that the very purpose of life is to be happy. And I remember in the, in the, in the 80s, I mentioned earlier in the service, man, I've been around for a while now. <laughs> but there was a, a popular tune by a songwriter and singer by the name of Bobby McFerrin called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Y'all probably know that song. In, a, in this little world, I, oh, I can't remember all the words now. Goodness God. Anyway, uh, but he had the chorus in there. Don't worry, be happy. And I recall the very first time I heard that, that, that song, I, I was in a rehab center. And of course, we used to have some creative moments where we'd go forward and, and do a skit or stuff like that. So I, I was going to learn that song, and I had it repeating it in my mind. And of course, as you sang that song, the idea of being happy sounded so simple. And it is, but it's not always easy. Because it's amazing how many people apparently have all of their needs met, yet happiness seems to elude them. In fact, happiness is one of those things that is significantly examined and studied quite a bit. As spiritual beings, I think we're predisposed to be happy. You know, if you look at a little baby, as long as they're fed, you know, they're dry and clothed, they got a stick to play with, they're happy. And it just seems as we go through time, we may have forgotten that happiness is sometimes just based upon common sense. But often what is common sense and is not necessarily common practice. So sometimes we struggle to express the happiness that I believe is part of our divine nature. I think it's our divine nature to be peaceful. It's our divine nature to be healthy. But sometimes we get in our own way. Or we begin to learn things that somehow block this divineness from being expressed through that. And then if you add, you know, the last couple of years, we've been through a pandemic and a number of people I talked to, they feel a sense of blah, you know? You know, they're not depressed, but they're just feeling not quite animated. And I think psychologists are calling this, you know, this thing languishing, a condition that has dulled maybe our motivations on some level and our focus is not quite as it used to be. But the spirit of the living God wants us to be happy, I think, all of the time. And we're here to get our happy back, to make it a way of life. Now, most of us are not taught how to be happy or how to recreate that or even uncover it. So sometimes we believe that maybe we're not happy because something is wrong with us. So today I'm going to look at the idea called the happiness formula. Now, when I came up with this title, I realized eh, there's no, no formula per se. 
You know, what I probably should have said, the happiness ingredients. There's a lot of ingredients out there, and you can put together whatever you want for your own formula, but this is the James Trap approach. And I had a lot of ingredients, and I can't go through all of them right now. Because <laughs> we'd be here till next week. But I think an important key part of happiness is the fact that happiness is a choice. You know, Abraham Lincoln said something to the effect that people are as happy as they make up their minds to be. Reminding us that it is up to us to intentionally choose happiness every single day. You know, happy people are not held hostage by their circumstances. They don't seek happiness in other people or other things. They know that they can generate that from within themselves. And I think the key to how we decide is how we look at our past, how we look at our present, how we look at our future. I like to say that how we see a particular thing tell, really determines what it is for us. And so I think we're more likely to experience happiness when we look at our past with gratitude. Even when we're met with challenges, even when there are struggles or turmoil along the way. We come to a point in which we realize that, well, that had happened. And what has happened has happened, but I don't need to bring that into the current moment. And if we can fully accept and make peace with every past that we have had, this allows us to be free in the present moment. And being free in the present moment allows us to be happy. This is why I was mentioned earlier, I think, as uh, Tracy was mentioned, that forgiveness is so powerful. Because we no longer hold ourselves hostage in the present moment to a past experience. You know, I've shared my experience that, you know, when I was younger, I, was, I perceived I was abandoned by my mother. And, you know, I ended up, you know, despite having outer success, uh, having an addictive life. I had a riotous living, a lot of self-destruction. And at some point, I really believed my life was over. And there were moments I wanted it to be over. But one of the things I learned over time, there's a distinction between falling and failing. You know, when you fail, it's just finding out things that don't work. So you can start getting closer to things that do work. And when you fall, that means that you can get up. As someone told me, if you can look up, you can get up. And so I learned the power along the way of self-forgiveness. I learned the power of forgiveness of others. I learned that setbacks sometimes in life are not tombstones, but can be stepping stones to greater good. As I look about all the journey that I've taken up until this point, it has brought me here today to be with you, good people. So it's been a good thing. I may have seen it at that time as I was going through it, but you know, behind the pictures that we see, there's often an unfolding good that we don't see until we look back over it. So I look at those experiences as lessons for greater good. It allowed me to release the baggage from our past, and that's freedom. And freedom, of course, like I said, is happiness. Because when we're free in the moment, we're able to engage fully in whatever we are doing each and every moment, which is always precious. You know, we can take our instructions from the young people, the little people, people around us. You know, happiness seems to, to come to children naturally most of the time. 
You know, like that little girl who was singing in that bomb shelter just came out of the, 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 all the, 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 the chaos, confusion, and stress, and strain to just break through, to sing that song to change the whole atmosphere. I think for children, their the curiosity, and they have, uh, they have that curiosity. They have that lack of expectations for anything other than just be happy in the moment. They take pleasure in the small things, and they're fully engaged in the moment, and they're quick sprouting seeds of happiness. And we can learn from them because we were them, and that's still us. I mean, what would happen if we put our natural inclinations for happiness into our lives each and every day? Can we take pleasure in the small things, no matter what they seem to be? Because in the mind of God, nothing is big or small. They're all miracles. Can we expect good things to come our way? Because I think part of happiness is have an expectation of good in the future right now, no matter what's going on. Doing such things would change our lives. It lets us return then to the instruction of happy children once again. So we want to be curious. Release any expectations other than what we have control of. Take pleasure in those little things. Expect the good things to happen. Engage in that expectation. And those, I think, with perfect happiness in their lives are not like any other master that masters something. They do their work, but soon that work becomes play. You know, the greatest artists, the greatest athletes, the highest achieving people in business, the happiest laborers are the most respected leaders, whoever they may be. They lose themselves in what they're doing with great zeal and with great enthusiasm. And I've come to realize that their efforts often are like a game. Because, you know, life is a game. We just need to know the rules. So even in chaos, even in turmoil, they meet their struggles with intense and spirited joy. They meet it with expectations of happiness. And they engage whatever challenges that come on their, over their way with honor as if they accepted this part of the process. And even amid the discomfort of, of the growing complexity of maybe building their lives and their, their, their careers, they often appear unfazed and nearly serene no matter what is going on. Sometimes they even sing while they're toiling. And, you know, they smile when things seem perplexing while they're working. You know, sometimes when I feel I'm going through a downward spiral in my own mind and life and, you know, and I realize if I catch myself, you know, what I need to do, I just start skipping. You know, I just start skipping and, 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 and I'm happy. And, you know, I always realize that you can't skip and frown at the same time. I mean, I tried it. You know, it's an impossibility. That's like trying to laugh and frown at the same time. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. Try it. <laughs> you know, so if you can't skip, you know, just put on some music that really kind of brings you up. You know, I was singing earlier a little bit of Aretha Franklin, a little respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, tell you what it means to me, tell you, oh, and all the stuff I was singing. Then I saw a little brain, James Brown, you know, taking care of business and all of that. And all of a sudden, the cells of my body start getting happy. <laughs> Whatever it takes to generate that happiness and joy. And the nowness of the moment is always at our disposal. It's within our choice. And when we do, we start becoming the happiness masters. But there's another quality I think that masters of happiness have in their arsenal. 
They get outside of themselves. It's never about the me, the ego, or, you know, all themselves. They realize that, you know, they get outside of themselves. There's a story of a, a very rich man. And he was, you know, kind of a big wig in the community. He was, you know, extremely well-to-do. You know, he owned half of the, the town. And he, he, was, he wasn't happy, though. He didn't have any joy in his life. And he would often walk around in the community or ride around in his limousine, whatever it may be. And he would see that people who had so much less than him, they were happy and joyous and just in the moment. They seemed to be carefree, really enjoying their life no matter what they were doing. And he found out that a lot of these people used to go to this, this spiritual leader, this sadhu in the community. And so he decided to go and have a conversation with them because he wanted to know what in the world was he teaching them? What was he giving them that allowed these individuals who had so much less than he did to be happy? And so he went to the man and he said, you know, I want you to give me your teaching because I want to have what these other people have that you've been helping them get. And the spiritual man looked at him and said, I can't waste my time with you. And the guy said, what do you mean? You know, I'm rich. I can give you a lot of money to to help me have this. And he said, no, I can see by looking at your aura, you're going to be dead in 10 days. So I can't waste my time with you. (laughs) But here, but but he said, I'll make a deal with you. If you're alive after the 10 days, which I don't think you will be, I will give you the teachings. And so he, he went to his office and he was downtrodden and a little despondent and you know, his, his office assistant came in and said, you know, I have all of these stack of, of people that, that owe you money. Do you want me to go out and just, you know, crack some heads and get this money back for you? And he said, no, nah, I don't want to worry about it. I got plenty. You know, just, just tell them to pay me when they can. And, and when the assistant looked at him, he said he was shocked. This man had never done anything like this before. And, and he said, as a matter of fact, you know, get my brother on the phone. You know, I've had, you know, a fight with him and I vowed I'd never speak to him again or, or help him in any way, shape or form. And he got on the phone and started talking to his brother. He said, you know, I know we had this falling out, but, you know, you know, I forgive you. I hope you can forgive me. Let's just bygones be bygones and let's be friends. And, and the assistant was watching all this and this is totally uncharacteristic. But his assistant thought maybe somebody had just taken his body and just put it in somebody else's mind and heart. He, he was just stunned and, and he was watching him and he went out into the community and he started, you know, giving to charities and, and he started helping people set their own businesses up. He was helping struggling people in their life become a little better to get up on their feet. And this man who was watching him was like just flabbergasted. This human being was doing this. But along the way, You know, he felt a little lighter. You know, the the despair that he was going through seemed to be lifted. And something happened because ever since he went to see that spiritual guru, something had happened to this man. And then the 10th day came. And he started looking at the clock and just saying, oh, my God, it's getting close to that time. And this spiritual guru has never been wrong about anything. And it was getting close to the midnight to strike for the next day. And he was so distressed and anxious that he fell asleep. And he woke up the next day and he looked around and said, oh, my God, I'm still here. I'm still in the body temple. 
this guru has been like never wrong and you know I'm, I'm still alive so he ran over to the to the guru and he said to me and he said he said to him well you said after 10 days you were going to give me your teaching you were going to give me ways to yoke with this spirit of the living god and the guru said i already have i already have give of yourself of something greater than yourself Get outside of yourself. Live deliberately for the benefit of others. Be that giver. And you will activate the happiness that is within you. I think to wrap all of this up, I think one of the keys to happiness is to find that meaningful something to pursue. And then take small steps to get there. Just make a little progress every day. Celebrate every win. Anything that you get along the way. Connect and embrace with the process without any attachment to the results at all. Because even if it's hard, if you find an attitude of joy and happiness along the way, oh, you'll be in that joy. You'll be in that happiness. You know, there was a young student in Vienna in the 1940s. His name was Manfred Steiner. And he discovered something. For him, he discovered the wonderful world of physics. Some people have that mind. He was fascinated by the precision of its laws and how it could be applied to the smallest atom, to the grandest space of the universe. And so he started taking every class that he could on the subject in. It was a turbulent time. It was after World War II. And his mother and I think his uncle told him that he really needed to do something practical with his life. And I guess for them at that time, that made sense. So he decided to, to go to medical school. And he was still drawn to something that really made him happy. So he always kept in touch with it. Even when he was in medical school, he, you know, he, he, he had taken all his medical courses. He would sneak across the street to the building that had the physics labs. And he would just go in there and just sit in on the classes. I had done that. But I walk in the class and I walk out. I said, this ain't me. <laughs> but that fascination retained with him because it stirred up that happiness gene that he had. So he had, through decades, he had a demanding academic career. Yet he remained determined to chase his dream to be a physicist. And then last year, 2020, 21, you know, he was 89 years old, 89 years young, because as I looked at his life, he wasn't old at all. He was 89 years young. He went and defended his dissertation, and he earned his doctorate in physics. And he said today, at, at age 90, just a few months ago, he said, I'm just getting started. He's my new hero. Because he said that he was in his 70s, and after having an enormous career, he started tackling the, the, the grad-level quantum mechanics courses, and, and people around him were skeptical that someone at his age would ever be able to finish this. He thought his brain was not equipped to deal with the rigors of such a demanding field, but it brought him happiness. And he said the best moments when he understood a problem that may have been vexing him for weeks, and he would have those eureka moments. 
And he said he cherished them along the way. And he said he had quite a few of them. And he said when he defended his, his work, his dissertation, he said he was on top of the world. And that doctorate was the sweetest thing in his life. And he already had another one in some other area. But he said he cherished that the most because each step along the way was a journey that made him more and more happy. He pursued something that was important to him. So the question I think we must ask, what is so meaningful to me or to us that our journey, that we shall maintain so much happiness along the way? We want to remember that always our emotional state is a choice. A selection from a broad menu of reactions, a broad menu of feelings available to us at any given moment. And we remember, we recall that, you know, someone told me that a power plant doesn't have energy, but it generates energy. I think similarly, we don't necessarily have happiness. Maybe we do a little bit, but I think we don't necessarily have it. We can generate it through the experiences that we have and the choices that we make. We can make joy and happiness a daily habit. And simply by measuring how we are having our level of happiness today, we can just simply assess how we're doing. Just stop in the middle of the day and say, one to ten, how much happiness and joy am I bringing to the moment? We're not asking how much happiness we're experiencing in the moment for what is being brought to me, what other people are doing for me. Rather, how much am I bringing? knowing that we can never have or become what we're not willing to generate in our own consciousness. So let's be reminded, we can bring as much and generate as much as we want. The choice is ours. And we can use whatever formula from whatever ingredients that we want to create our own because that is the nature of God within us. We have the ability to name things, we have the choice. We can create a formula for happiness and have that happiness along the way. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh, oh.